What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. Brandon Tess, here, bitch, your ex drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do, hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, and then reminisce about those crazy old stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do, reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks, I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from Los Angeles, California, Avery McKinney. Oh, pleasure, Brennan. Happy to be here. What's up, man? Thrilled, man. I uh, I got to get it out of the way. What's your uh, what's your drug of choice? I used to work in a rehab for five and a half years. And, Did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. And it was it, there was never a dull moment. So I have a I have a lot of uh, empathy and a warm spot in my heart for people in the program because of how fucking insane and also wonderful. Uh, just people in the program and in recovery are just the, the breadth of humanity you will see and just what people are are struggling with and just shit that people deal with on a daily basis where I'm like, how did you have a fifth of whiskey with breakfast every day? Yeah. So I have a successful real estate business. What the fuck? I can't, I'm unsuccessful uh, and I don't do anything most days. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Mine was vodka um, towards the end. It's always been alcohol, though. So, like, I've talked about this before, but I've. I'm sure you have, so I don't want to bore the audience. I'm sure you've told it a million times. I did did Coke a lot, uh, especially when I came into a little bit of money. I I spent a lot of it on uh, cocaine. Uh, I've tried heroin uh, a couple times, and then I've also done uh, crack once in my life. But alcohol was always my, like, go to DOC. Yeah, it was the bottom bitch. Yeah. Yeah, that because that was the thing was like, even with all the drugs that I had tried, even when I did cocaine for like a while, it was still like one of those things where when I ran out of money, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just not doing that anymore. But with booze, it was like, oh, no, we'll beg, borrow and steal. We'll do whatever we have to do to get alcohol. And it's it's so cheap, dude. It's so yeah. cheap. I remember uh, oh, it's so especially when you're when you're young, dude, I remember being in college and I just turned 21. And when you when you just turned 21, you might know. You, I mean, you don't know anything about actually drinking, but you might know some. You don't know shit about buying it if you don't have a fake. Yeah. So I remember we were going to this pregame at my friend's place, and we were at Rite Aid, and I was like, "Dude, I'll just get a fifth of Rite Aid vodka. It's like five dollars, oh. dude. This shit's awesome." And we just, I was, I was like, "It'll be fine. I'll just throw it in the freezer, put it in there." Took it out like t- three hours later, and that that shit was like cough syrup. It yeah, was like syrup. it was thick as it was coming out, and I drank it. And I was like, "Oh no, no uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. Like, it's good." Yeah, my whole thing was. Oh, before we go too far, plug everything yeah, yeah. up front. Let everybody know where they can find you. Um, you are a comedian out in L.A., so yes. tell everybody you know where your shows are at, what's going on. This will come out in about two weeks. 
Cool, cool. Yeah, so I am a comic out in LA. You can follow me on Instagram at Avery Comedy, A-V-E-R-Y Comedy. I host and produce a podcast called Invade the Decade, and I'm also the producer for The Film Vault, which is a film podcast uh, that is a ton of fun to do. Uh, also, if you're in the LA scene, also host a weekly open mic on Mondays at The Crow called Slice Mike. A lot of fun, very supportive. So whether you're experienced or brand new, always a good time yeah and that was what kind of how uh i ran into you um on a digital means was because you had katrina davis friend of the show and very hilarious comic on invade the decade yeah yeah and then obviously i knew you from the after disaster and then the later on the film vault and then once they were talking about i remember brian brought it up or somebody brought it up that you you were a comic and i was like no fucking way yeah. And then, like I said, and then later on, Katrina was so on the show. Because so on the show that you were like, there's no fucking no, way. No, <laughs> I just, it's, out of all the people that they auditioned and like brought in to do the producer thing, because it was like a running bit for a while about getting a new producer once Logan yeah. left. I was just like, I, I just honestly didn't put two and two together that someone who moved to LA to do comedy would would be like, oh, I'll spend time producing the show. But I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. And so then I was like, and then, like I said, once I saw Katrina on Invade the Decade, I was like, oh, we've got to, I got to get this guy on my podcast. Yeah. And I saw that you actually had uh, the homie Mike Rowland on yours. I oh, fucking yeah. love that guy. Yeah. He, um, he might've been there for my first open mic. Cause I'm, so I'm from LA. I started in LA. Okay. Um, so I, he used to, I think he got his start, like literally at his college open mic. Yeah. I saw, we him, talked down, about it, I saw yeah. him down at the ha ha. Like, I think probably two years after he had started, maybe a year. I completely forgot, but we did talk about that, how he went out to L.A., yeah. Yeah, so we we had been buddies, yeah, the, like right at the start, and we were uh, we were such just little drinking pieces of shit, and we got real <laughs> into, we got, re- I, I don't know if I'm airing his dirty laundry, I think he don't know up to this, we got really into um, Patrice O'Neill's uh, old podcast, Black Phillip, do you ever listen to that? No, I haven't heard of it. That sounds awesome. So Patrice O'Neill, one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. Just ridiculous shit about picking up women and just saying the most like outrageous shit that I would never say today. But it was like when you're 22, you have no game. You have no idea what you're doing. So I literally like we would literally go up to women and be like, you know what? You know what your problem is? And then just tell them. And then I'd be (laughs) and then be shocked when women were interested in like. Oh, that's very interesting. I was like, this is crazy that this works. This works, uh, yeah. So we were just drinking pieces of shit in the uh, LA comedy scene. But yeah, I was thrilled to uh, see that you had him on and that you knew him. I, I love that guy, dude. Yeah, he just booked a, a TV show now. He's he's doing it, man. I Animal saw, Control, I, I, yeah. I was, I was just I was messaging him on Instagram uh, last week. And yeah, could not be prouder or more happy for that guy. Such I, a good dude. I like to think that the show is very much a springboard. Because Katrina did it, and then she got the Comedy Central thing, and then Mike did it, and then he got he booked oh, that show. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, let's spring, I, baby. I guess it's yeah, it's I guess it's the podcast. I, I mean, I don't know, but you're the good luck Chuck of comedy. There we go. Yeah, everyone else gets married except me. Yeah, God, Dane Cook gets brought up all the time because he's the reason I started stand up. Hey, I will. I'm a Dane Cook. Uh, is apologist the right word? I love that man. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, apologist, uh, defender. Uh, whatever you want to call it, that's if, that's exactly who if, I am. If you think harmful of swallowed is a bad special, you're an asshole and a liar. Yeah, if harmful, you're a liar. Is, I, I yeah, exactly. You're just a liar. And I hope I hope they bury your body and they make a tree uh, and then they use that tree to print the fucking Bible on it. Big fan of Dane. Uh, love Dane to pieces. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. But I wanted to talk to you about um, just to kind of get the listeners because this is um, more of a southeast. 
kind of thing. For some reason, I've got a ton of listeners in Virginia, even though I've never Love been. Love it. So you're out in L.A., and you said you grew up in L.A. How did you get your start in uh, like stand-up? Have you always been a fan of comedy, or how did that end up working out? Yeah, so I was always a fan of comedy. Always was interested in it. Uh, I grew up listening to it, too. My dad was a huge fan of Bill Cosby. Uh, continues to be... No. Um, <laughs> but I remember we would listen to that as a kid. So that was probably my first introduction to that this art form even existed. Uh, and then I just got into, I think, my first live show, which is wild. That This is literally my first live stand-up show, was seeing Dane Cook in one of the like front rows at Staples Center. It was my friend's birthday. Damn. I think we were 16. And I was like, holy fuck, this is like the funniest thing I've seen what in my life. What tour was that? Do you remember? Uh, it, this was a, this must have been 2008, 2009. It was like so this touring. was like Vicious Circle. Yeah, this was like height of his powers. This was probably yeah. the last like full arena tour that he did. So just sold out. It was like a rock concert. Craziest yeah, thing I'd ever nuts. seen. So I had... He got me into stand-up. I had listened to him a bit, but not really I not really anything beyond Dane in high school, honestly. It was just kind of Dane and then broaden my horizons with podcasts. Um, honestly, I kind of got into it through the after disaster, finding out about like Bill Burr, other comics. Bill Burr was a gateway drug and sort of went down the rabbit hole yeah, there absolutely. in college. And then I remember distinctly, I, I like I think I because we would have comics come to the college. And I remember just enjoying it and thinking like how I want to do it. And I, I even went home and like would write some bits, right? Or whatever. It's just, it's just dumb yeah. nonsense. No plan to do anything with it. No idea what it's even for. But it's like you have to. I just had to write it. I just had to do it. Just had to get it out. I just had to get it out. And then finally, I, I remember this. I will never forget. I was in my shitty apartment in junior year of college and i was listening to donald glover on nerdist with chris hardwick and them talking about stand-up it was too physically painful for me to continue listening without me trying stand-up like i had to shut oh, it wow. off i yeah. had to shut it off because i was like i am living a lot i would imagine it feels somewhat like a gay person coming out where i was like i'm living a lie i can't yeah. keep doing it. i have to I have to try this. I it's have to do this. It's interesting that you say that because that's something I feel. Because I started comedy in 2009 uh, when I was 22. I started doing uh, a little 21 and then into my early 20s. But then I stopped and like I would uh, like take three months off or six months off and all this kind yeah. of shit. But it's so interesting that you say that because that's exactly uh, to this day is how I feel about it. Where when I'm not doing it or if I don't feel like I'm being, you know, for lack of a better term, like true to myself, yeah. I will physically like I physically get sick. I'm like, I need like I've only been on stage like four times this week. Like I need to do more stage time. It and hurts. It's weird. Yeah. It like pain. It's painful to be like, I don't care how many podcasts I recorded or how much I've been writing or how much I'm working on the one man show. Like I have to get on stage. You have to do. Yeah. And, and what's wild. So I actually I started when I was, I think, 22 as well. I started in 24. 14? 2014. Okay. Um, and I think it was six years in, I actually quit. I, I had just gone up at the comedy store and I went in between Jamie Kennedy, Christina Pazitsky, and did as well as they did and felt oh, fucking shit. and did felt fucking nothing as I got off stage. Felt oh no. Nothing. And all I was thinking about while I was on stage was all my friends right now are at my friend's apartment drinking martinis, watching James Bond. I don't want to fucking be here. So 
Are you serious? You yeah. really felt that way? Yeah. So I quit comedy. Was like, I'm going to try screenwriting because that had been something I was dabbling with. I'm going to try screenwriting. So I did the whole thing, bought all the fucking books. I think he even planned to write one with Mike Rowland, actually. We were kicking <laughs> something around. Um, we literally, <laughs> we were such assholes. He, I, he was in my apartment one time. We were just smoking weed. And he was like, I've got this book, dude. It's like, it was written by, I think, another comic. It's literally how to write movies and make millions. It was like the dumbest. We're like, dude, we'll just do that. You like, we'll write just, what people yeah, like. Easy. You do that. We'll become the new, like, fucking Rogan and Jonah Hill. We'll just break in that way and just do stand up all the time, dude. Stupid. <laughs> just absolute morons. So, so we, I started writing, did the whole thing of like, you know, get your original pilot, do your spec script, write a feature, this, this, that. And I got all the way through the first draft and then I just could not bring myself to look at the second draft. It was like pulling teeth. I would, you yeah. could have held a gun to my head and I wouldn't do it. So what were you doing at this time for income and everything? This was, I was working at the rehab. Okay. So I was working at the rehab, doing that literally at my workstation like well in yeah. downtime i had uh what i think was trelby the free version of uh <coughs> whatever that um the, the the main screenwriting tool is i literally here's how broke i was i don't even remember what that's called because i use the shitty open source free version <laughs> trelby yeah. it's got like a purple fedora as the logo it could not be douchier you're like why am i i'm using a program daily that has a purple fedora as a logo that should be a that's sign awesome. of crisis in and of itself um so I just realized like I can't, I don't think screenwriting is for me because the whole thing is rewriting. That's what I yeah. kept hearing from writers. So if I don't like that, I'm not that's a screenwriter. To be honest with you, that's been the most frustrating thing about the one man show that I'm doing. I thought, oh, I'll just put it together. Cause a lot of the stuff I talk about on stage is kind of dark. And I was like, yeah, well, and a lot of comics are like, dude, this isn't a stand up special. This is a one man show. Cause you know, I'll tell stories to people and they're like, that's insane, but it's not yeah. funny. It's just nuts. Well, you know, you you worked at a rehab. You've heard the stories. And oh, yeah. So, and so I was like, okay, I'll do it as a one-man show. And then I got a buddy of mine on who's also a comic, but he's done a lot of, like, he studied theater in Paris, and he's, like, classically trained. So he was he's directed some stuff before for the stage, so he came on to direct. And every time I send him a script, he's like, this is good, but this is how we're going to rewrite it. And I, I love him to death, but it got to a point where, as a comic, I'm like, well, no, we do the rewriting on stage. Like, that's, yeah. like... That's and how I like, know. They tell me where the laughs are. I yeah. can get it this far, and then they bring it the rest of the way with me. And it's been, it's like, it, it's, it hasn't, it's not like I'm like, oh, fuck this. But it's, it's just one of those things where it's like you said, pulling teeth. Like every time I send him a script, he's like, okay, now we're going to tweak this and move that. And I'm like, it's done, man. Like, come I know. on. And that's what writers live for. So I realized I didn't have that. So I was just kind of having this moment of crisis where I was like, what do I do? Because my friends would talk about stand-up. I didn't give a fuck at all. I didn't you care. You still didn't care at this I point. Didn't, I didn't feel anything. Didn't feel anything. And I, I had then I had my second coming to Jesus moment where I'm sitting down with friends. They, they're watching comedians in cars getting coffee. And it's one of those things where the only way I've heard it described that I fully relate to, it was in Ken Burns baseball. There, There's a league in New York of guys who were in the minors forever and could not make it through to the majors. And they yeah. play like every Sunday. They're very competitive. And they interviewed the guys and they were like, so do you watch baseball? And they go, no, it's too painful. They don't watch major league baseball. Yeah. They can't. Yeah. And that's how I related to it. Cause I didn't want to know shit about standup. Uh, like I didn't want to know about it. Like didn't have any desire to do it. I was like, fuck this. I I'm done. Like an abusive relationship. I don't want it. 
So I see I'm my, out. Yeah, my roommates are watching comedians and cars getting coffee, and Dana Carvey's the guest. How many years has it been since you quit comedy? It's been always oh, it almost a year to the day. Okay, almost a year exactly. And they're sitting in some coffee shop, and they just start describing what a comic is and who that person is and what it means to be a comic. And I, I, I can't remember what they said, but I just remember sitting there going, fuck, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, you don't get to choose. It's like, well, hey, sorry, the, dude, that's you're, you're a comic. That gets, that, that's the kind of stuff that gets me fired up. Because even though moving to New York and not having any sort of reputation or anything here, because I've only been here for like a year and a half, I will, like today, I was at the studio getting ready to record with one of the guests and I was talking to the engineer and it's so funny when people from the outside talk to you as a comic because the, it, you could be fucking Jerry Seinfeld for all they know. Like they yeah. talk to you like as a comic and I'm answering some of his questions. Suki, our producer at the studio, love him to death and I'm answering some of his questions and I'm like, oh yeah, this is my whole life. Like yeah. is this. like it's You're a comic. Yeah, because we're talking about like, he's like, oh, do you change like your set based on the audience? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, you just do it on the fly in your head. And I was like, yeah, like, how else would you do it? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, dude, that's crazy. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's work. Like, that's the job. Like, what are you yeah, talking that's the about? Form. It's like, it's like, it's like a surgeon using a different tool. It's like, yeah, sometimes you need a scalpel. Sometimes you need the thing to pry open the chest. It's. Yeah, it's just, you have to figure it out on the, while you're in there. Yeah. What's the cheat code? How do I crack this? So it's so interesting that you say that, that you're listening to that interview and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's me. And then I was back in. And then I, and so I haven't looked back since. Did you find sense. a passion for it or was it like so tough I, sledding the first time? So what back? I realized, it was just, I was so just burnt out. Yeah. And I had redlined for so long without taking a break or stopping, which I think a lot of comics do, mm -hmm. that I just had built up this resentment. I was just numb to it. So the problem wasn't that I was doing stand-up. The problem was I was not taking a break ever. Yeah, that's, that's I, I a big thing. I wouldn't recharge. Well, and especially in L.A., uh, I'm sure it's similar to New York where there's so much ability to get stage time that even if it's open mics, like you're just – you could literally go seven days a week, boom, 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 yep. boom. And then if people don't take – and that's something I've learned just over the course of you know doing it on and off for the last you know 12 years is that I will at least once a month – take a day where i'm like absolutely nothing and normally it's like once every two weeks where i'm like absolutely nothing to do with comedy today yeah and i'll just take the day because i work at night in, in the service industry and i only work a few days a week because that's that was the thing when i got hired i was like this is what i'm available for every other time it's comedy and yeah. so they're like hey can you pick up i go nope you already know if it's wednesday to if it's tuesday wednesday or thursday i'm doing comedy stuff and that's that but there are times where I'll be like, it'll be like a Thursday and I've done a bunch of shit and over the course of the week and then I had been working all weekend. So then I'll just be like, nope, just taking today off. And you, we have to do and you that have for to, our own and, mental stability. And not just that, you have to live a life. Yep. You have to live a life. Because Especially because I'm a storyteller, so I can't, what am I going to do? Tell stories about how I bombed on stage? Like The audience isn't going to understand that. Yeah, and even if you're not a storyteller, it's like you have to have something you're drawing on from your life, or you become that derivative comic where it's just, I was on an airplane, I was yeah. at a show, I was, in the, I was in the Uber, I was in the hotel. And while that stuff is fun, it's, tell me about your girlfriend. 
you don't have one. Tell me about your hobbies. You don't have them. Tell me about yeah. the last vacation you went in one. You don't have one. Tell me about some restaurant where they fucked up your, you don't go out to a restaurant. So you don't have anything to talk about except for shit you mind before you did comedy. And at some point that mind runs out. Oh yeah. You, absolutely. you have to, you have to keep living a life. And if you're not feeding that, then there's no output. It's so interesting you say that, too, because there are, I mean, I'm sure this happens with you. There are times where I'll be on stage just like working on stuff for like two or three weeks straight. And then I'll go. We have a new joke Wednesday at a mic here in the city. And it's becoming like a thing where if you go there, you better have fucking stuff you've never said on stage before. Like they don't like we don't play around. And so I'll go there and I'll be like, all right, new joke Wednesday. And I'll pull my notebook out and I'll be like, oh, I don't have anything new to talk about because i've just been working and doing mics for the last you know two weeks three yeah. weeks and i'm like shit i don't and then you have to scramble to like write stuff down and then i go up and do it and i'm like oh none of this is hitting because none of it makes any sense like i wrote and it I don't on the give fly because and i don't yeah, give exactly a yeah so it's I'm glad you found the passion for it again. It only took you a year. I took three years off when I when I relapsed. Oh, man. And I was just like, yeah, because I, I used to run the light and do like stupid shit on stage. And so when I started drinking again, I was like, I am not showing up anywhere drunk to do comedy. Like I I cannot do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and then I couldn't get sober for like years. So it, it took a, it took a little while to get back. What was it like for you starting in L.A.? Was that more difficult or I mean, it's all, you know, so I, I guess you can't really compare it, but yeah, it's kind of all I know. And what was interesting is I started in the Valley, which is kind of different than starting over the hill. So I remember I was in walking distance from the Ha Ha, which is okay. a small club here in the Valley. And I would just, I went the first time. Thank God I got laughs. Cause that's what keeps you going. Right. Yep. It, it, like it's just, you just need a little something and that's all I needed. And it was one of those bucket mics where you just fucking wait your dick off. And everybody who's a regular gets up first and it's three hours long and you're just waiting, 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 oh, waiting, God. waiting. And I just went pretty much every day. Because at the time I was living with two cats and an alcoholic. My apartment had no AC. It would literally be 97 degrees inside the apartment. And I'd be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I would go every day. And this and is when I, you first started? When I first started. And yeah. I remember that finally I started to break through with the regulars because they thought it was funny. And I eventually I broke through because I was just making fun of this, this older comic who would do these weird one liners. He had this very particular, like old school style. Um, and I just went up and I was like, all right, my character is, um, if anybody listen, it was Greg Buckman who was, wow, wow. I was doing this and wow, wow. And I just went and it's, it's all clean. And he was, and he would just be very clean and very like, wow. So I went to the market and wow, I dropped off my eggs and what are you going to do with blah, blah, blah. So I just went, uh, this is my new character, offensive Greg Buckman. And I just went <laughs> up there and I just did in his style of like, wow, wow. You ever noticed that? And was just doing pedophile jokes and just the most <laughs> racist shit I could think under the guise of the character. And I remember one of the established comics was like, who? he was Australian, Lowy, who's amazing, Craig Lowe. Uh, it was like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> that guy, that was crazy. And and just immediately got respect because he was like, uh, knew I didn't barely knew this guy and had the balls to just go up and try this character. And he thought that was fucking hilarious. That he was just, I was just roasting his friend. And then I was in. So then, so then you were in. So then I was in. They would let me host some of the shows they were producing. When I would show up for the mic, they would get me up at a good spot. So then I'd be able to go around and do other 
um, mics without wasting my whole night at one place. So yeah, it was almost my first experience at, in breaking into a club and sort of cutting my teeth where it's just like I took my beatings, I would bomb and I just hung in there and just kept writing and kept just hitting it. And I, that was instrumental for me of just having that experience of having to tough it out and then feeling like you broke through. How did you end up uh, at that show at the store? Was it just from, you said it was six years in, so were you just like working your ass off and then you got a spot or? Yeah, so it was, um, my buddy had been helping out running sound for one of uh, one of the independent producers who ran shows at the store. And then finally she was kind of expanding. It was getting more popular. She needed extra help. So then I would fill in on some of the bigger shows that had sold out or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I would help with like tickets, wristbands, whatever, in exchange for stage time. I'm like, fucking great. Um, so then I only did that for like a couple months. It was, it was like probably four or five months of doing that. But the pro- what is such a bummer is I was so burnt out by that period that I had a really hard time enjoying it and seizing yeah. that opportunity. Cause I had, I just redlined so hard with the rest of it that by the time I had gotten that thing I was looking for, I was like, fuck this. And yeah. my fuck this wasn't even so much. It, I don't, you don't feel that towards comedy. You feel it towards you. Cause you're not letting yourself take a fucking break. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because I've had the great fortune of being able to perform at like the stand and the cellar and stuff, but it's all, again, it's on these produced shows. Cause you know, you meet people and you get to talking with people and then all of a sudden, you know, if you're cool or if you know, they're not complete assholes, they're like, Oh, I run a show. Do you want to jump on? And I'll be like, yeah, sure. And the next thing you know, it's like, yeah, meet me at the cellar at like 10 o'clock on a Monday. And you're like, wait, the cellar. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> And then you go and do it, and it's just one of those things where I've been lucky enough because I did, and I think you experienced the same thing where I ran out of, I ran out, like I I stopped doing comedy. And so that passion like has been amplified because it was something that I did, and then I had it taken away, I guess is what I was trying to say. Yeah. And, and so, I had rediscovered it just before, this was, I quit summer 2018 got back to but got back into it summer 2019 did it for six months then the fucking pandemic COVID hit yeah yeah because when i came back into it i was like i was like oh this is because that and that was after alcohol poisoning and i almost died and i was like oh this is this is what we're doing there is no plan b this is the plan and so i've been fortunate enough to have that experience before i got to new york so now almost anything that happens in new york i'm like whatever like i'm in new york and we're doing it like i don't give a shit but there are times, and I'm sure you've experienced this, where it's like, I don't know, because you grew up in that area, so it's not like you, you're you not like thinking about, like, maybe I made a mistake, maybe I Which should go ha- back oh, home. Dude, it helps. I can't fail out of this town. Yeah. It's that's so the thing nice. Is, there are some times where I'm like, maybe I should go back to Florida. <laughs> yeah. But it's awesome to just be around it, because like you said, you you know, you go up to do a show, and it's Jamie Kennedy and then Christina P, and you're like, just on, and I had that too, where I did... I did the show at the cellar and I did this bit. And then as I'm coming off, Sean Patton's coming up, who I really love. And then he's riffing on the bit that I closed with. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Or, or, or bigger comedians are talking to you like you're somebody. And you're going, yeah. what the fuck is happening? You're, after the show, you go to sit down. And then all of a sudden, David Tell walks in because he's up next. And he's like, hey, what's up, guys? And you're like, you're fucking David Tell, man. Yeah. What's up? You don't have to Obviously, talk to me at all. You don't do that because that would be uncouth. But in my head, I'm like, this is nuts. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you somewhat about uh, 
you had you did send me some stories which I appreciate. But you yes. had mentioned earlier um, when you were in college and you guys would just kind of party. Was that when did you first start drinking? Was that in college or was that in high school? So I was a late bloomer with that. I did not have a single drop of alcohol until second semester of senior year of high school. Okay. Yeah. Which I, I feel mean, like uh, yeah, I was the same way. Which I feel like is late for most people. And I was one of those people who was like firmly against it. I was like, I don't need alcohol. All the people I know who drink are fucking douchebags and people who are dicks to me at school and fuck all them. And that, and this is always how it happens. Then I got a girlfriend. Women are usually, I feel like at that age, more into partying than guys. And it's more yeah. fun if you're partying with women. And so yeah. it's like, oh yeah, this girl who's into me wants to drink and party. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to drink and party. And then once you it, do it, you're like, this is, this is the best thing in the world. Yeah, this is a did, rap video. It's, it's <laughs> like, this is incredible. That was my experience. Kind of not the girlfriend part, but, um, with the drinking, like, um, I saw so many people where I was like, oh, that's what alcohol does to you? Like, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. And my, like, sisters would party because they were popular. And I was like, oh, like, I don't, like, you guys can be kind of dicks when you drink. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. And then it wasn't a girlfriend, but my twin sister had a party and, like, her boyfriend came over and, like, a few of her friends and I happened to be home and they were like, just try it. So it was 99 bananas and yeah. I did a shot and all of a sudden, because my anxiety I've had since I was, a ba like, a kid, like, all of a sudden my anxiety and depression just went away and I yeah. wasn't worried about anything and everything like, Holy felt shit, great. This is magic. And it's exactly how I describe it. I'm like, this, what is this magical elixir? Like, give me more. Like, this is a potion. Yeah, and from I, I joke about it uh, on stage now, talking about like if we were in Skyrim, my alchemy level was super low because I did not know how to drink. I was just like, "This is magic <laughs> yeah. potion, let's chug it." Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's kind of the same way how I got into it because once I started drinking, I, I wasn't an alcoholic right off the bat, but I was like, "Oh, I I enjoy doing this. This is a lot of fun." Yeah, it takes time to yeah throw that switch. I remember my first drink was it was Bacardi. 151 Ooh. and somebody put it into coca-cola <clears throat> coca-cola i'm what am i i'm 95 uh put it into some coke and i was like ah this coke tastes kind of weird they're like oh let's make you another drink because everybody was like excited that i was drinking for the first time because i was kind of in mixed company and i was with the part of my friend group like the because you know how in the friend group there's always like some people in the group are the the ones that are cooler and also sometimes yeah, oh yeah. hang out with the coolest people. So it was like I was at one of those houses and parties. So they were like, oh shit, like Avery's drinking. So they're like, oh, we'll make you another one. Make you another one. Pour it into some lemonade. I'm like, ah, this lemonade tastes weird. And then I went, oh, this is alcohol. This is what this tastes. This like. is what it does. Yeah. But then we got going. It was a pool party. And I was like, this is kind of this is kind of all right. This is kind of fun. <laughs> and then. I wouldn't like seek it out, but if there was like a party, I'd go for it. So it was usually kind of through my girlfriend in high school because she was a theater kid. She was more connected. I think she was, or she might have been her class president for her for senior for her senior year of high school. So she was like connected. So we would go to parties and shit. And I worked at a summer camp, so I knew people who were twenty one who would just buy me shit. Yeah, and because I, I had a summer job, you would have that dumb money where I have no expenses. I live at home, so the like 
500 a month. I would get 400 for working at a summer camp. You can just spend all of that on dumb bullshit. Whatever so you I, want. Dude, I would show up. This was in 2009. I would show up to like her parties with a full handle of Patron that I spent like $90 on and be, and just be offering it to people. And they'd be like, this is fucking crazy. This is like the You're coming in there hole. like the Monopoly guy. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I got a girlfriend in Patron. I'm actually the coolest person in America. <laughs> <laughs> no one's stay, been cooler. Did you stay in that same area when you uh, graduated high school or did you end up going away? So I didn't, which I, I'm super grateful for because I feel like I got a lot of perspective. I actually went away to college in Atlanta. So I it okay. totally polar opposite. So got my first taste of the South. And I that's bananas because you're friends with Mike Rowland and he did the exact opposite. He's I know. from Atlanta and just and went to it. L.A. Just totally swapped it. And I, yeah, <laughs> su- such a, such a blast. Um, and I don't know if you know, do you know Doye, Doye Travis? No. Okay. He's another comic. Um, he did JFL a couple of years ago and he, I think he's out in New York, but he was like a, like a grade below me. And also in his grade is another guy out here, Daniel Weingarten, who I think got Comedy Central the same time Katrina did. So it's okay. weird that like three people at my college, though it's probably twelve hundred each grade, like are involved in stand up. So in this weird little Where did cluster, you go to so college? Emory University. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know Emory. Um so when you got to college, were you because you were completely disconnected, you went to the other side of the country, were you going nuts there or were you very like because people either go down two paths, I've kind of realized doing the show for a few years, is that when they get to college, they want to focus on their studies and they think like, okay, I need to like make this work. Or they go the other way, which is like, we're going to fucking have a great time. Because I did kind of, the weird thing was when I first got there and I was playing football, I was like hyper-focused on school and yeah. like practice, obviously, and stuff. And then I would party every once in a while. But as soon as football was done, I was like, oh, I'm going to party all the time. Yeah, I was one of those people where... I had always done well in school. So I was like, I know how to study. I want to learn how to party. So yeah. I'm going to go out. So I wouldn't go crazy where I wasn't one of those people who would go out every day, but I would go out really as often as I could within reason. So like if I didn't have a test or anything like that the next day, I would, I would get after it. Yeah. Then I knew people who started to rush fraternities and started getting that way. And I would just go for it. Cause I was just, ama- it was like the first time in my life. Cause I also part of it too. I had braces my entire fucking career in high school. So I oh, got really? them off right before college and had broken up with my girlfriend, like at the beginning of like the first semester. This so it was heartbroken. The the first, yeah, yeah. It was heartbroken. Like the first half <clears throat> and then second semester friends are rushing and I'm getting after it. And I'm like, wait, there are, girls at these parties and they <laughs> want to dance with me they're into what i'm putting out there uh and they're picking up what you're putting down it's like this is the best this is so much fun so yeah i would definitely just just get after it there and just uh just drink just stupid drinking just <laughs> so when dumb you met shit. when you met mike where you got you guys were this was back in la yeah yeah, so, yeah this was back in la for sure what what was what was that like to like when you were going out with the comics and partying and stuff like that? Was it was it similar to what you guys were doing in college or was it very much different in the fact that now you don't have like a lot going on as far as responsibilities? Yeah, it was more like cuz when I got back from college, it was like there were there was I had a job for the first time and I had a new friend group with comics, but when you're that early on, I feel like it's 
hard. There's a lot of shitty people right at the start of comedy. Yeah. And the higher you go, I think the higher quality person you'll find. So now That's when true. I meet somebody, I so now when I meet somebody at my level, I'm like, generally this person's pretty cool. But yeah. when you're just starting out, there's so many people who need to quit, dude. There's so many fucking people who need to not do comedy. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Yeah, like I was saying, so many people who need to just quit comedy. So I, I was having trouble with... Uh, there, there we go. Um, which is finding people. So it was definitely more partying with comics, but also I felt lonelier. So I kind of hopped on more opportunities to go to these parties. And that was where a lot of the drinking was less fun too, because I was living with an alcoholic at the time. It was yeah, fun. You had in mentioned college. that earlier. Was that uh, by choice or accident or how did that so happen? It was one of my best friends in, since I was like in second grade, but you know how everybody, you know, like changes in college for better oh, yeah. or worse. So he, it's weird been you say that, or just a sidebar, it's weird you say that, because when I first got to college, it was better, because I was like, I'm not going to get bullied anymore, like, I'm going to be a cool kid, and I, like, and I actually, like, experienced a fantastic life for the yep. first two years, and then when I quit, when I stopped playing football because of injuries and stuff, and I left the team, it was much worse. It was way worse. It yeah. was for the way worser. Yeah. So, I was living with him, and in college, like, he just got jacked out of his mind which he had never been so he started to get all this attention from women he had only dated one girl his entire high school career yeah um so he got all this attention from women got heavy into partying he used to never drink so then he just i mean you know it dude if you got the yeah, gene yeah. if you got the gene and you throw the switch you're fucked yeah i tell people all you're the fucked. time i can pinpoint exactly the summer when i became an alcoholic when and i i, I talk about it constantly because it's one of those things where I was like, oh, everyone in my family drinks. Like, we're just a heavy drinking family. But everyone could quit if they had something else. Like, when my twin sister got pregnant, she quit. When my older sister had stuff coming up for work, she quit. And, like, for me, I just, I remember this summer, dude, I was drinking every single day. And eventually, nothing was more important than drinking. And I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, I went too far. And you can't yeah. come back. Once you go, you can't come back. Yeah, once you throw that switch. And that's honestly one of the best things I learned from working at a rehab was one of the number one indicators is when you are having a hard day, are you using alcohol or substances to regulate your mood? And 100% of the time, if I'm going through a breakup, if I lost a job, if I had a hard day, the last thing in the world I have any desire to do is drink or smoke weed. Last oh, thing in the world. Yeah, I was Zero desire. So ever since then, so ever since I realized that, I'm like, oh, great. I don't have a problem. Yeah. Now, is do I do dumb shit when I drink? For sure. But it's there was such a relief to me where I was like, oh, I get it. And now having worked so long in it, now I can kind of spot it in other people where you'll be at a bar and go, oh, that fucking guy, he's got uh, yeah. the devil in him. He's yeah, got and it. it's it's he's weird got it. because like we were talking about earlier, I tell people how much I drink. Like me and Karana were talking about it on the episode he did a uh, um on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Where we were talking about trunk vodka because you remember that came up on the oh, AD yeah. like many years ago. And I, I remember after I hear I heard that I was like, oh shit! Like I do the same thing. Like I keep vodka in my trunk. And then I started after I heard him tell that story. I started putting it in a water bottle instead of keeping it in the vodka <laughs> bottle. <laughs> but it was just so weird that it's like because you know obviously Mike's in the program and he's you know openly talked about all that kind of stuff. So it was just so weird to hear another alcoholic be like, yeah, that's not norm. That's normal. And then when I talk to normal people, they're like, how did you wake up at five? Because I worked at a brunch place. They're like, how did you? 
wake up at 5.30 in the morning and go to work like that. I was like, oh, I had to do shots to drive. Like, yeah. I was so shaky. Like, how how did you go to work? Yeah. How, how would you, how else would you manage it? Yeah. I was like, how did you, did, did you not, do you not do that before work? So I was living with this dude. He was getting hammered every day. He was kind of looking for a job. He, he would be drunk by the time I got home from work. Was he still jacked even though he was drinking yeah, every day? That's all he would do. Is, and he was being supported by his mom. Okay. Uh, and he was just, all he would do is lift and drink. That's all he would fucking do. So he'd do. wake up, go to the gym, get it all out of his system, and then go home and start yeah. it all over again. Yeah. And he'd have the genes, so he was never hung over. Yeah. Um, he was one of those guys. So he'd be drunk by the time I got back, and it would always be like, we're going out to the bars. Let's go, let's go, let's go. A lot of my other friends were in grad school or hadn't moved back yet. So he was kind of my only lifeline to do stuff. And he yeah. knew girls. So I'd be like, I, I guess I'll go out with this with this guy and he's still my buddy this maniac. I don't realize how bad it is yet. Cause he's one of my best friends, but it would just get to the point, dude, where he would be the guy of like, you have to drink at this bar. You have to have to have to have to have to, he'd be the guy getting into fights with people yeah. like at the fucking bar, just at a urinal. He'd be squaring up on dudes. And I would have to break up fights every single place we went. And it got to the point where anytime Anytime I would bring a girl back, whether I was trying to date her, whether she was a friend, 100% of the time, if I would leave to like go get another drink, go to the bathroom, take a phone call, he would immediately start hitting on this person and trying oh, to fuck no. them immediately. That and sucks. It, and it just got to the point where I was like, dude, because uh, I, I had heard Loveline or they were, the, somebody had a similar thing. I think Psycho Mike was talking about it. And he said, the people I valued the most once I got sober were the ones who stopped participating in it. Yeah. So I just told him, I was like, dude, I, I'm moving out. I cannot participate in this. I cannot watch you do this anymore. Um, and I'm out. And he just texted me back, okay. And I've not talked to him in like eight years. Oh, still to this day? Never reached out to me. He's still wow. actively doing his thing. Still drinking. Still, still cheating on his long-term girlfriend. Oh, bad That's, stuff. Because this whole I, time he had a girlfriend too while he was doing this. That oh my I knew. God. That was part of our friend group. And that's insane to me only because, I mean, for multiple reasons, but it, it blows my mind when stuff like that happens because I, obviously from working in the rehab, you understand it too. It's like I completely, I can completely empathize because I've been in that like super dark, scary place. But there's also a part of me that's like, all right, like get your like. Let's fucking go. Like this yeah. is enough now, because and I, I mean, I, but that's say, how you got out. Yeah, and that, <laughs> that's we say it thing. all the time. It takes what it takes. And for me, I yeah. literally was on the cusp of death before I was like, all right, maybe I've gone too far. So I totally understand. And that's that. got to be why the enablers are such a problem is because yeah. they're stopping you from getting where you would go without them. It wasn't until, and I, I haven't even talked about this before on the show, but it's I love that you say that because it wasn't until my ex fiance left. And I was left to my own devices because I, I, I left home at 17. So like I didn't have like, you know, I had family helping me out like in college here and there and stuff. But I didn't have like a check coming every month to make sure rent was covered. In fact, yeah, yeah. I got kicked out of a place. I was living with a buddy. Shout out to Joe. A. I got kicked out of his. He kicked me out because I kept getting drunk and missing work. And then I wasn't able to pay rent. And yeah. thank God he did that. Because that's what put me down the path to get my own place. And then I literally had no one to answer to. And that's when I got so drunk that I almost died. And that's actually what woke me up where I was like, yeah. oh, fuck, man. So speaking of drinking with comics, should we, should we get into some of these yeah, stories? let's do it. All right. 
Uh, do we have time for all three? You want me to cut one of them? Yeah, what do you no, think? we've got plenty of time. Let's. Let's I want to talk it. about how you forgot English. Yes. So this is the the time I got so high I forgot English. Uh, so I was, I kind of I, I was drinking since high school, but end of high school as we discuss, and that was going great. I was having a blast, <laughs> good time, as good as it can, you know, just getting, just getting, just learning, learning the ropes, getting blackout drunk, drinking literally every kind of liquor you could possibly have. Uh, but I was like, it's fun. You're talking to chicks and you're dancing. Good times. Yeah. Uh, you're just having fun partying, whatever. But I, ha- I didn't start smoking weed until I joined an acapella group junior year <laughs> and all the people. And it was like, a lot of them were just very white bread. I joined junior the, year of college. Junior of college, and okay. I I joined the one that was the one that was like explicitly like about diversity. So everybody else was white. This group, it was just everybody. It would it would be black people, Mexican people, Native American people, Indian people, Asian people. And so it was all the coolest motherfuckers. Nobody was like let's let's sing some uh, some Michael Bublé. It was like just let's get out, let's get some boys to men. Yeah, and everybody. Uh, like we we were listening to the weekend when his like his EP first came out, so oh, it shit. was like so you were so, like tuned in. So these are all like the coolest people I'd ever hung out with. So these people, uh, they would they loved smoking, and I had never been into it. And like the coolest dude in it, he uh, he was like on the side. He was a professional chef. He was this like Asian dude, cool haircut, had the, the hottest girlfriend, and he was like one of those dudes who would barely talk. But when he would, it'd be the coolest shit. It just, when he just spoke, wisdom. everyone listened, yeah. So then he would want to hang out with me, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is this dude wants to hang out with me? Fucking awesome. So we started smoking, and we would get high off our dicks and just watch the original Twilight Zone. And he would, like, cook up this gourmet food. We'd eat it and just watch the Twilight Zone. And I was like, this is the be- oh, this is what weed is? This, this is, is life. Do- yeah. And then other people would come over and just put on music and bands i'd never heard of because like i would i grew up just on k-rock yeah i didn't even listen to rap until college so they would just put on r&b rap all this shit and it would just blow my mind of like i didn't even know this stuff existed of like like turn me on to like frank ocean when he just like just released stuff i'm like this is fucking incredible um so that got me in the door. So after that, I was like, this is fun. And one of my best buddies had joined a frat and he became a big stoner sophomore year. So then once he heard I was into it, he was like, bro, this is what Let's I've been do doing. It. This is what I've yeah. been doing. I'm trying to get you into this. So I was like, okay. So we go to their off-campus house uh, and this one of their one of the, the fraternity brothers had gotten this thing called a hurricane bong. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen one of these. I don't know if this is a thing or this is just what he called it. But no, I've he, heard of this. He, so it's for those who are the uninitiated and the non problematic substances. <laughs> he, you would smoke it, and it had this little. It almost looked like one of those old school tops that you put the string around. You pull it. It's almost shaped like. Uh, almost like a, like a pear if you put it upside down and the smoke would swirl through there with some ice and it would cool it down and you just get the biggest rips of all time right so it was just me and we were pre-gaming before the house party that was going to happen in like whatever three hours who knows i, co- okay. I came over like so you're getting started early yeah i i, I came over at eight the party's going to start at fucking midnight right yeah so this guy's passing around this hurricane bong and just Chappelle shows on and I'm like, all right, this is a great fucking hang. So we're just passing this thing around 
And like, I'd never had any issues with weed. I was like, this is only good times, bro. This is just good times. We're passing it around. And I'm like, all right, we're on that. Or it's going up the roller coaster. Like, we're going yep. up, we're going up, we're going up. I'm like, this is the best. This shit's hitting so smooth. I look so cool smoking this fucking thing. And <laughs> Chappelle shows on. And then I like, and my friend goes to pass me the bong. And my friend's like, it's like, what? He's like, uh-huh. I take the bong. I smoke. And I was like, that was fucking weird. Pass it to the next person. And then I'm like, all right, that was weird. I'm just going to, I think I'm getting too high. My heart's racing. I'm just going to focus on Chappelle's show. I start watching and Chappelle's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what's so going you're on? Just, oh my God. He's I'd be speak, so panicked. speaking in gibberish, right? Speaking in gibberish. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? So now I'm starting to freak out. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm like, what? What in the fuck is happening? And now I'm like, okay, maybe the TV's fucked up. I start looking at, around the room and listening to other people's conversations, and I cannot understand shit. So everybody's just- <laughs> everybody sounds everybody sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Want 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 yeah want want want. I know it's like, what the fuck is? Ha- am I having a break from reality? What the what is happening right now? So I just get up and I just go. All right, I have to go now. <laughs> and, like, you just- <laughs> and I just like walk, just shake my friend's hand like a robot and just walk out. Cause I lived on the, there was like a secondary campus and I lived close enough where it was like a 20 minute walk to get back to my campus. So I was like, yeah. I'm just going to walk. I'm not, and this was before Uber. And I'm not going to call a cab because cabs back then were a thousand fucking dollars. I'm a college kid. I literally yeah, was Yeah, and making, they made you wait like two hours. They're like, yeah, we'll send someone eventually. Yeah, I had a part-time job, I think, making literally like $50 a month. So I'm like, I'm not going to blow this all, my monthly budget on a cab to fuck yeah. that. I'm also too high. I don't want to deal with that. I want to just fucking walk. So I'm like, it's going to be fine. Like, it's not a big deal. Let me just put on a podcast and just chill out. So- I was I was paying for it when Loveline used to be on a podcast, so I was like, I'll throw that in. I was mainlining that show. I was like, I'll throw that in. Uh, I put that in, and they're like, oh, I'm like, what? What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? I like, I'm having trouble putting thoughts together. I'm walking directly up this hill, and it's pitch black. There's one streetlight at the top, and I cannot remember what is on the other end of this hill. Oh my God. I just know it's important that I get over there. So yeah. I'm walking up this hill. It feels like my legs are made of cement and I'm just like, I, I can barely understand my own thoughts. I just have it in the podcast still because at least it's noise. I don't want yeah. silence. Just give me noise. Yeah. Give me something. Maybe it'll start to make sense. I go up and I'm walking and I'm getting so fucking scared because the top of this hill is getting closer and closer and I cannot tell you what's on the other side. I have no idea, but it's like a sea turtle heading to the ocean. I'm like, I know I got to I know I got to do it. I don't know yeah. why, but I have to get up there. So I'm putting one step in front of the other. I finally crest this hill and then I see the off campus location. I see like the dorms and the dining hall and I'm like, oh, thank fuck. <laughs> and I, 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 I managed to cross, cross the street, get all the way back to my dorm, and I just lie down in my bed 
Finally, I don't even brush my teeth, nothing, lay down in my clothes. I lie down on my bed and I swear to God, it feels like I am laying in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Like the sky is opened up above me. It feels like my walls are 40 feet tall and I can barely hold together like my, like who, like who I am, where I am, who I am. And I'm literally just listing things that I can remember. Any real tangible thing I can think of. I'm like, Cool Ranch Doritos. My friend is Justin. Uh, Pokemon. <laughs> and literally do that until my body falls asleep. And then I wake up, my brain works again, and I'm like, thank fuck. I don't know what oh that was. Oh my God, was. dude. That... I, don't know, I don't know what that was. It's never happened again. I've never had anything close to that. I've had like the thing of like, am I having a heart attack? That sort of yeah. thing. I've never had anything close to that again. So I have no idea what happened, but dude, I swear to God, I could not speak or understand English. Like my brain just couldn't. I had no That's language. Nuts. I had no language. Had, I've heard like the heart attack thing is real. Like we had Steven Rogers on the show and he talked about when he, he smoked some weed or I think he did edibles and he thought he was having a heart attack. So like they oh called an ambulance and he was like, oh, I'm embarrassed now. But yeah. I've never I've heard tale of like crazy things happening, but to just completely blank out on who you are in the English language is kind of nutty. It was crazy. It was crazy, dude. So that was that was the day I retired from bongs. I'm like, yeah, I'm just doing completely. joints and vapes only. Um, I don't do edibles. I'm like, I'm a one hit at a time guy, so that I can I can I'm in control of the hot air balloon. We're going yeah, up or absolutely. we're going down. I'm not I'm not getting to the rocket anymore. Fuck that. Fuck <laughs> well, that. Speaking of one hit at a time, you had mentioned uh, to me on the list about getting into a fight. Yes. So this actually ties back into getting drunk with comics and okay. also my alcoholic roommate that, that I talked about. So this was just, uh, I was just hanging out with just a friend group. You shouldn't be. And it, but it's one of those times in your life when it's just, it's all you have oh, and yeah. you, and you just go with it and there's yeah, a party. Not? So I'm going to go and fuck it. So there, one of my friends, friends in quotes uh who is a comic <laughs> uh one of her best friends was a burlesque dancer and i had met her at a show and she was dude just stunner so yeah. cute and we had gotten to talking a little bit so we were texting and it was her apartment too and uh it was these two best friends they both lived together burlesque dancer and female comic we'll call them blonde and brunette so <laughs> The brunette was like, oh, like, you have such good taste in me. Like, will you make the playlist for the party? Blah, blah, blah. So I just spent all day making the playlist for this this house party that they're having later. I'm like, dude, she's going to love this. I'm fucking in, dude. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> make this playlist and show up at this place. And I'm one of the first people to get there because I'm like, I got the music. I got to fucking bring yeah, this you got to be there early, I got to be there, dude. I got to be there for my girl, dude. Uh, so we get there and we're taking shots, put on the music and it's a pregame. So there's not many people there. So we're playing truth or dare. And she, my friend goes, Hey, why don't you burlesque dance or why don't you kiss Avery? So I dare you to kiss Avery. So we just start making out and this chick is fully into it. And I'm like, this is the hottest girl I've ever kissed in my life. I'm like, this yeah. is this is the best. This is why I made the playlist, Brennan. This, this is, is why, why we made this the is playlist. Why, this is the best. So, <laughs> so, so then I'm just like, I just played off cool. I'm like, yeah, so blah, whatever. We're drinking. My other two buddies, one of which is my roommate, uh, the alcoholic, they like show up 
They like called an Uber. They showed up. I'm like, I'm going to go down, let my friends in, blah, blah, blah. So they come up and I'm telling my friend, I'm like, dude, I, uh, that girl that I was telling you about, the burlesque dancer, like I totally just fucking made out with her, dude, this is the best. I'm gonna, like, and then that's your whole night. Yeah, is, that's it. That's, if your you're at a party and you've for. made out with a girl, you're like, this is my entire existence is about making that happen again. This is all that matters. Yeah. A meteor could hit the earth and I would just be trying to kiss this girl again. So we're having a good time drinking. I'm trying to play it cool where I'm like, I don't want to crowd her because women like that too. It's just dudes on them all the time, right? So everybody's drinking, just pounding drinks. I think at some point I throw up in their marble sink. Um, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it was, I was a soldier too. I just, somebody was in there. I just waited in the hallway for like 10 minutes, went in, threw up, got rid of it. It was like, all right, crisis We're averted. Back. Let's get back into the game. So... The boyfriend of my friend who I also knew, uh, both of them were comics. I knew his brother was kind of seeing this chick, but this dude was fucking lame. He was just like, I was like, this dude's a fucking normie. He's younger. Fuck fucking this dude. nerd. Dude. Get out of here, I was man. like, bro, she made out with me tonight. Like, we're fuck the you, artists. Bro. This is what we do. I was just- like, dude. She wants me. I'm wearing this awesome hat I found on Venice Beach. It's, Let's not forget the hot. playlist. Yeah, I've got the playlist, dude. She's dancing to my music. I'm Mr. Steel, your girl. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, I'll play it cool, whatever. Not a big deal. And at some point, he's like. So he's at the party. He's at the party. Did and he show up later? Or was he there when you guys were making out? He showed up later. Okay. So he shows up later. And he's and I'm like, dude, if if the girlfriend of this guy's boyfriend, like if the girlfriend's having me do this, I'm like, there's nothing here. She wouldn't hurt her boyfriend's brother. Like there's this is nothing. This is kid shit. So at some point he like pulls her in to like talk in her bedroom. He's like, hey, can we just talk? Because like, I don't know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fucking lame, dude. And so I'm like, dude, I want (laughs) fuck that shit, dude. Fuck that. So they're in there. And me and my friends are just drinking. And then I just hear this dude just start yelling like, what the fuck, bro? What the fuck? You got to get out of here, brunette. Get the fuck out of that room. Who the fuck's in there? And I'm like, what is going on? So I look to the hallway because they're all down the hallway. Bedrooms are down there. We're partying in the living room and the kitchen. And I just see these dudes just start like they're just screaming at each other, right? So I turn Wait, who are the dudes? What's what's happening? So, so I turn to my friend and I'm like, my other friend who like is part of their friend group. I'm like, yeah. what's going on? And she's like, that's, let's say Jose or whatever. They kind of have had a thing in the past. So I'm like, oh shit. So, this so she kind of had a thing so with this, the brother and, and with this other and guy. And this other dude and had been making out with me at the party. So the minute I find this out, I'm like. My name is Paul, and this between y'all. Yeah. I'm not touching this. I don't know who made the playlist. I don't know who's at this party. <laughs> fuck this shit. So there's just this screaming at the door. He's like, dude, the fuck, you gotta get the fuck out of here. What? So Jose so, is screaming at the brother screaming in the bedroom? Th- screaming through the door. Like, you gotta okay. get the fuck. I know you're there with the fucking dude. Da, 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 da. He opens the door. And his brother's getting in between him. He's like, he's like, you got to calm down. You got to calm the fuck down. And this dude just punches him square in the head. And he's got a ring on his finger. And this guy's an actor, good looking dude, also doing stand up, splits his forehead open. And it just starts running blood. 
And yeah, these yeah. dudes just start throwing fists. Girls are screaming. The burlesque dancers just like on the bed, crying her eyes out. The brother's just trying to make sure his his little brother doesn't get his fucking ass kicked. So, so we it was like, the older brother that got cracked in the skull? Gets cracked for his little brother, and it's just bleeding. So the now the... The the non-burlesque dancer, my friend, the blonde, is like, you got to get the fuck out. I'm calling the cops right the fuck now. You got to get the fuck out. So they separate them. Those dudes just run down the stairs. And now my friend who is dating the blonde, his face is just running with blood, dude. It's like split open. Oh, yeah. I've cut, I, I have a story about it, but I cut my own face open in a fight one time. Oh. And if you, if you cut your face, especially when you're drinking, it leaks blood. Fucking bleeding. So now... It's just running with blood, and we get everybody out of there, and we're like, we got to get this dude at the ER. We're yeah. all fucking hammered. Uh, my roommate is an alcoholic. is like, I'll drive us there. Duh, 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 there's no time. So we're in emergency mode. We're like, fuck it. It's right around the corner. He Somebody does Googled. this all the time. He does this all the time. There's an ER, so we just go. He's running with blood in the back of his fucking Acura GTR, whatever of it is. Of course it's an Acura. With, 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 the, with the mufflers. <laughs> cannot drive at all he's got an auto he's got a manual and he's just the herky jerk bullshit yeah and we just spend the rest of the night just getting him checked in they stitch up his forehead and we're just sobering up in this fucking er room where people are just like detoxing and bleeding and all that shit until it's dawn and we just go back and sleep what happened with the girl girl i tried talking to one more time was like, hey, that was so crazy, blah, blah. I had a good time the other night, though. Love the music, though. Yeah, I love the music. And then she, like, immediately, like, friend zoned me and was like, I don't know if it was like that. And I'm like, this is oh, bullshit. This is bullshit. But God, I was like, but I was like, for the better. This chick yeah, is out absolutely. of out of her mind. Crazy. Are you still in contact with the friend, the, the female comic? No, it was like it was not good times. She okay. was not a good friend. I I think she may have. That's why you since, put the friend in the quotes. Yeah, I think she may have quit drinking since then. It was just not a good. Just waiting for that nine step, then, huh? Not waiting a, for that immense. A, not a good dynamic. They're engaged now. They seem very happy. I'm glad okay. for them. But yeah. he literally had to end up getting because he's an actor, like plastic surgery to fix that. Holy shit! It was like a gnarly fucking scar. I dude. hope he I, made his little brother pay for it. I, I fucking hope so too, man. He took an ass beating for no reason. God, that's insane. I so many fights, especially when booze get involved. It just happened. That's just what happens. Especially over men fighting over women. That's insanity. And I'm I mean, so I'm so conflict averse, dude. I've seen a bunch of them. I've never been in one. I'm always yeah. like, I've never been punched. Never been in a really? fight. I'm like, keep me out of it, dude. Yeah, you don't you I'm, don't need that. It's weird though, because sometimes I'll see comics on stage and they'll like talk shit to like the other comics, and I go, oh, you clearly have never been punched in the face because where I come from, yeah. you talk like this, you get punched in the fucking face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask you the last story I, we were, wanted to do, and it's perfect timing because we're coming up on the time. What, um, you saved a life. Yes, I saved a life with my dick. This is probably the craziest thing that's ever happened to me, not just drinking, but just in my life. So we went over to visit my buddy in London. I'm again with the, my roommate, the alcoholic. Well, how going- old are you when this is happening? 22. I just started stand up six months prior. This is in the summer. World Cup is happening. uh, And we go over to visit my 
good buddy who I'm still friends with. I literally just got back from his wedding a couple of weeks ago. Uh, love him to pieces. Uh, went to visit him because he was doing like this study abroad kind of thing with his grad school. So he was working in London for a year. Oh, that's uh, awesome. And my uncle, since I graduated the year prior, was like, for your graduation gift, because he travels all the time for his job. He goes all threw you off some of those miles, huh? Threw me the miles. It was like I'll Broke fly you to London, miles. and I was gonna crash with my buddy who was living there. So I'm like, Fuck free yeah, flight, man. free room and board. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking. If wedding crashes taught us anything, it's the miles are important, dude. The best. So we get there. It's the World Cup, and we've just. This been is part- when it was in London, right? I don't know where it was, but I it was happening, and they give a shit there. Oh, so, yeah, they give lots so, of shits. In a way that I couldn't even understand. So literally, if you go to a country that cares, like especially one as diverse as London, every single bar will have like a different country affiliation. You can go to certain bars to like if you're repping Japan, if you're repping Brazil, Damn. if you're repping whatever. So you're literally everyone's bar crawling. It's just on all the TVs. Everybody's fucking drinking. It's just crazy. So... Like I, the, the craziest I've ever seen fans act. We watched with my buddies, coworkers, watched England play Germany, and it's the only time in my life when they scored a goal. The entire room of like three hundred just threw their beers in the air and was doing. Oh that my god! Shit. Like crazy people. Yeah, they love it. They love and it these, over there. And these fuckers are doing this after work. They're still in suits and ties and women in dress. It's the craziest shit. But I'm 22, so I'm like, uh, this country is the best, dude. This is all, this is why we play the game, dude. Americans can't even party, dude. This is fucking party, dude. So <laughs> we're watching the USA Portugal game, and USA wins. We're losing our minds. We're all dressed just absolute douchebags. I'm in like the thinnest American flag tank top. My uh, douchebag former roommate has the California flag tied around him like a cape. And we're just like just drinking no stuff. jacked as fuck. Yeah, and we're just drinking fucking Bud Lights, crushing them, just like this is the best. Uh, and we start chatting up some girls, and we're like, "Oh, this is great." These chicks love to party. They're like, "Oh my god, da 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 da." We just went here. Oh my god, we're so hungover. We just hooked up with these guys. Blah blah. And we're immediately like, "Oh, these girls are a party. This is great." And we're like, uh, "We are going clubbing tomorrow. Y'all should come with us." Um, it was these two girls. Uh, one was Asian and one of them was brunette and they're like, Oh my God, let's totally do it. So me and alcoholic, uh, are like, (laughs) great, let's pick out a club. Let's go. It'll be awesome. Uh, so we get all our shitty booze from the corner store, uh, get our shitty playlist going and invite the girls over. And we're like, dude, this is going to be awesome. They're showing up at like whatever nine, we're going to pregame. Uh, so they show up and there's three of them. And my friend, the the alcoholic, had already hooked up with the brunette. So they were already making out. I hadn't like really done anything more than talk to the, the Asian girl who was at the bar. Yeah. Um, so now one of their friends shows up. So I'm like, fuck, I'm totally friend zoned. This, this sucks. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this blows. Because uh, my, my buddy already has his girl. And now I'm like, there's just these two other girls. It's never a good sign when a girl invites her friend to a fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, because then, yeah, that means something's going on. So I'm like, fuck, fuck, whatever, whatever. I like dancing. Let's have a good time. So we're pre <laughs> like dancing, baby. Or just ripping shots of Jack Daniels. And these immediately, these girls are just out of their mind. They're talking about, they're like talking about dropping acid, about snorting Vicodin. They're talking about how like they 
did like E, they've been just rolling E and I was like, how'd you get it? They're like, oh, we just smuggled it in and like our bottles of Riddle and we took it on the plane. And I was, and I'd seen Locked Up Abroad. I was like, you, y'all weren't afraid to, like, why didn't you just buy it in London? Because they were, so they were university students. They were, they were studying abroad. These were Americans. Yeah. I forgot that critical part. So these are other Americans. So that's also how I knew, like, I know this brand of piece of shit. These are girls I went to college with. Yeah. They, they like to party. So I was like, why did you? risk like a felony instead of just buying it here and they were like i guess it just seemed easier this way and i was like this is crazy. this goes this goes back to what we were talking about earlier some people just don't get in any kind of they, like, just, they just don't, don't understand consequences just blessed life so i'm like all right whatever i'm just gonna get liquored up and dance because there'll be girls in this club who cares so we get to this this club and it's one of those places that's just so grimy. There's a fucking chain link fence in there. Oh, God. And we start drinking Red Bull vodkas. And before we finish the first one, the Asian girl just jumps on me and we start making out. So I'm like, yes, this is the best. This is the best. And her friend had just run off and was just dancing with different dudes. Yeah. Uh, my buddy's making out with the chick that he came with. And I'm like, this is the best. Dreams do come true. I love this. <laughs> So we're just dancing, having the best time. Uh, the DJ's going off, and like two hours in, she's like, I want to go back to your place. So I'm like, this is miracles. Hey, let's oh, go. Me, me too. Let's fucking go. Uh, so, and I think at this point, my, the, my buddy had already left with his girl. They'd already gone back to her place. Um, so it had just been me and uh, this Asian girl, and I was like, all right, let's go. And she went, but I don't want to leave without my friend. I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, what do we? <sighs> All right. So I just go up. I, I, we search the whole club. We're like looking, looking, looking. And I go up and she's, I find her and she's talking to this dude, this Venezuelan guy who's just so high. He's like 6'3", oh, like God. eight pack. He looks like a, he looks like a model. Yeah. He, like, I, I would I, I just joke about the guy say, when you see him, you're like you're very handsome. Yeah, he looks like he fights Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious. Yeah, like this yeah. And he's just been buying her tequila shots all night, and I'm like, I gotta go up and tell this dude I'm taking the girl. Like fuck. So I'm like, I go up and I go, hey, so we're heading out. And so and so really wants you to come with us. She's like, oh, but I'm having so much fun. Da, 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 da. I'm like, da, like. Sorry, dude. I po just like just give him your number. You guys can go out, have a great time tomorrow. Blah blah blah. Like, but she she won't leave without she you. She wants to go, and we're fucking leaving. And it's like she won't leave without you, and yeah. she wants to go. So finally, like prime apart. Was the dude pissed? The dude, like, I mean, he's that dude. So he was like, when you're that hot, he's like, yeah, what just a turn around and be he like, was like, hey, fucking you. fine, fucking yeah. fine. So. He then goes, uh, we, we get him apart, right? So then they get in the cab and immediately the redhead starts crying. She's just bawling. Like, I oh, won't we'll leave him. I don't want to. And as the, as the same time, the Asian girl is just rubbing my leg. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening? And we're headed back to the Airbnb. I'm like, how the fuck? Uh, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't understand. Like, how am I supposed to uh, solve this problem? So we get to the street and I'm just like, I'm fucked. I have no idea how to handle this. No idea. And then 
the Asian girl, God, God bless her to this day, just turns to her friend and she, cause the dude didn't know where we were. He like dropped us off at the end of the block and she goes, do you want to streak the rest of the way? And she goes, sure. And they literally just take off their clothes and just run to my apartment. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm not going to question it. But I'm in it. I'm, so I'm, I'm in. Get back, do shots, end up having a threesome. Greatest night of my life. Absolutely phenomenal. So wake up the next morning. We're all so hungover. I, I kissed both of the girls <laughs> goodbye and send them off to school. And I was like, didn't think this would happen for quite some time. <laughs> Send them off to school. Uh, and then I'm like, what do you do when you celebrate? Uh, go to McDonald's and get a fucking Egg McMuffin and hash browns. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. eating it hungover, just chugging coffee, feeling like the coolest dude who ever lived. And I get a Facebook message from the redhead. And she tells me, no, I get a Facebook message from the Asian girl. And she tells me that she was talking to the redhead. And she got a phone call from her dad. And her dad goes, were you at Club XOYO last night? And she goes, how the fuck did you know that? I wa wh Like, why? And she goes, because, and this, I guess he was a rich girl. She's like, well, my friend, because my friend's in the FBI. And he has you on CCTV, because London, it's all over the place. They've got yeah. cameras everywhere. Has you on CCTV talking to a guy who is wanted for drug smuggling and human trafficking. Holy shit. And that was the Venezuelan dude she was going to go home with. Holy shit. You so really did save I her life. I saved her life. With the, I stopped the plot of Taken with a threesome. I'm a oh fucking hero. Oh my God, dude. I'm Barry a fucking the hero. Lead. You're a hero. I'm a fucking hero. So that's why I, I would always end the bit of like, so ladies, if you're going to go home with a guy, bring a friend because you just might save her life. <laughs> you wow. just might save her life. Oh my God, dude. That's a fantastic story to end on, man. The hero. You're a hero. You are a, a fucking yeah. American hero. My, my dick should get the Medal of Honor. Tell Vin Diesel to shove off. <laughs> the next Fast, the Fast 11 is going to feature Avery. Goddamn right. I'll be there. <laughs> Plug everything one more time. Let everyone know where they can find you. Yeah. Catch me on Instagram at Avery Comedy and check out my podcast, Invade the Decade. Uh, great show. Every episode, we travel to a different month in history and we run down the current events, the Billboard Hot 100, most watched TV show, most watched movie. We just have a beer, talk shit, and treat it like a time machine. So it'll be like August 1975, and we'll talk about uh, Elton John, Dog Day Afternoon. Like That's just awesome. Dude. Plane jacking. So much fun. Check it out. Invade the decade. Perfect, man. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. At Brennan T. Comedy, of course, on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com. Get your ex-drinking buddy merch. The one-man show will be out in January. Thank you again, Avery, for coming on, man. This was yeah, a ton thanks, of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Of course, dude.